Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? It's Monday morning. Welcome along to the Monday episode. Uh, have you had a good weekend, Sam? Yeah, it's been um, it's been decent. I went out actually, and I saw my Ooh. I saw my father, but I mm-hmm. stood at a distance, so mm, it worked quite well. I don't think he'd actually had a visitor in all these months. So I was going to say, it's the first time you've seen him for like yeah, lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I mean, to be fair, I do see. I did. That's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> it's not unusual for me to not see my dad for that long, uh, which he keeps, he keeps pointing out. Not in a, I mean, he, he's not bothered. He, he, you know, but he'll he'll say, look, I mean, oh, you're right, and all that. He goes, look, I mean, this is just normal. <laughs> and there's very yeah. little difference. He seems like a very pragmatic kind of fella. He had his when we went round there. He had his pinny on because he'd been cooking. But do you yeah. know what? And he can't have done this because he knew we were coming because it was just too short notice when I told him. I, I went over there with my two kids and he lives in a flat so we could stand in the hallway. You know, it's a converted house. So there's a hallway mm. on the ground floor and we could stand in that and he could be at the front door of his flat. And so it's yeah. like not... And he goes... Um, and he had an ironed white shirt done up. He had ironed white <laughs> shirt, smart trousers, <laughs> shoes... Lives in a flat. He's wearing black shoes, quite well polished, right? And his yeah. and his white shirt, which looks really well ironed, right? And an ironing standard somewhere. that I could only achieve if I'd sent them off to the dry cleaners, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's somehow achieved at home. Different generation, isn't it, mate? It's a different fucking generation. I think that's what it is. And yeah. his 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 top button on his white shirt is done up. And right. this is just him cooking himself lunch. And I thought, fucking hell, sometimes. You know, I look at my dad and it makes me feel really bad about myself because the mm. standards that he holds himself to are so much higher <laughs> than I do. You, you say just different generation, but that's something that, that doesn't change because the, 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 the old fellas who are like in their 60s now will have been into the Sex Pistols and Boy and stuff like that yeah. when they were younger. Yeah, that's so true. I don't know whether like they wore well-ironed white shirts and well, my, press trousers my and everything. My dad is of the... Um, which sort of was a young man in the 60s. Um, well, 50s, right. he was a, his childhood. He was born in 1940, right? So he, uh, this is a good segue, actually, because he brilliantly told, as all grandfathers, they just tell stories that you've heard a million times before. But brilliantly, my kids mm. have not heard them all before. And my daughter in particular has reached an age now where some of the stories she's hearing for the first time, I remember how entertaining they were to me when I first heard them. Now I'm just bored. Yeah. So he went through almost the full gamut of his history of defending himself in court. And oh! I was like, oh, I've heard it all before. 
but my daughter was <laughs> spellbound by it, right? The, the best one, I haven't got time to tell you all of them here, right? But, but he loves telling these stories because the the end to every one of them is, needless to say, I had the last laugh, right? Sam, you've got to, you've got to sit down with him and record this. Fucking hell. This is an amazing one. I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, right? Men of honour. One of, one of the amazing <laughs> things that my dad has done in his life is that when he was um, in the in the early to mid-60s, I guess it was, early 60s, I think, him and his brothers, he's from a family of eight, he's the oldest of eight, right? Mm. And him and two of his brother, younger brothers, um, they set up a rock and roll club in Harrow, in, in yeah. Harrow and Wilston, right? Called the Big Beat Club. Right. In fact, I've got a poster of it on my wall. It's at Harrow World Memorial Hall, if anyone listening is from that part of North London. Anyway, he uh, and it was really good. And they like booked, they, they managed, they were just hustling. You know, they were kids, but they they would book really great bands. So, for instance, they had The Who there when they were still called The High Numbers, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, they had all sorts of, I think, I think The Stones played there early on. Um, you know, big name acts on their way up. They booked Gene Vincent, right? Uh, But Gene Vincent was not on the way up. He was sort of on the way down in a way because this is like post the kind of big American breakout rock and roll stars, right? Yeah. Who were like, I guess, 50s, I don't know. And But anyway, he was still a huge name. But he was getting older and he'd become a heroin addict, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And my dad booked him for a show that they were doing, not at their usual club, but in, in Cheltenham at some festival. Um, and they they booked him and he turned up and they paid him quite a lot of money and he turned that off his face on heroin. And right. there was a band out before him, the support band. And for some reason, they were playing a rock and roll version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow by, <laughs> what's the name? <laughs> right. Judy Garland. Judy Garland, right which is peculiar. My dad went in to check on Gene Vincent to check that he was ready to go on stage. She was going on stage next and he was slumped in a chair with his mate off his face on heroin and he was shouting at my dad, what's that? They're playing my fucking song. How dare they play my song before I go on stage? And my dad's going, mate, it's not your song. It's somewhere in the rainbow. He goes, I know what fucking song it is, motherfucker. I wrote it, didn't I? Uh, oh my god this is a fucking disaster Um, and do you know who was probably in that Gene Vincent backing band who Chaz Hodges from Chaz and Dave well this is someone who my dad was really good mates with oh there you go because what happened was uh, Chaz Hodges used to play at my dad's club all the time in a band called Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers yes and my dad was their road manager well, there you are. Yeah, they backed Gene Vincent on one of his last tours because it was in the Chaz and Dave documentary I watched a while yeah. ago. Yeah, oh, well, so, yeah, yeah so so Chaz Hodges, he, he then became in the Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers. My dad became their road manager and went on tour with them, but then moved and became the road manager of The Searchers, famous, whose famous hits include Every Time You're in the Room, Needles and Pins. Yeah, needles and Pins, yeah. And um, Sweets for My Sweet. Which yeah. I think Shaka Demas and Pliers made a scar version of in the nineties. <laughs> in fact, I know they did. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But anyway, and this which, is just like which which member of the searches was it that you, your mum has got a, a oh, long-lasting crush on? Frank, Frankie Allen. He, Frankie he's Allen. still around there all the time. <laughs> she had a great Frankie Allen story the other day because he was he, he was well he wasn't there recently obviously but anyway 
Yeah, so like they were just like you know they were normal kids. My dad was on a, grew up on a council estate in Stanmore, but him and his brothers just hassled their way hassled their ways into these things. The reason mm. he the, so anyway the reason he ended up in court after Gene Vincent was they'd had such a bad experience they decided they were going to cancel him for the the other booking they had at their own club, the Big Beat Club, the following right. month. But his manager or his promoter, whatever, was uh, Don Arden, Sharon Osborne's oh, dad, who was well, well known, sort of like yeah. dangerous man. And, yeah, uh, of course, my, the father of Sharon Osborne. Sharon Osborne. So my dad wrote to him to try and cancel it, but Don Arden mm. didn't respond. And, uh, and <laughs> didn't even and send up the letter back torn he, up. He, he wanted to do a deal and say, listen, you know, like he, he, in Cheltenham, he was useless. I think what he did was that was it. The, the other thing he said was that when he got on stage, when he eventually got on stage in Cheltenham after he'd claimed to have written Somewhere Over the Rainbow, he mm. mimed to every song. So he didn't actually <laughs> sing. So he did a whole set with his band playing, but he was just mouthing the words. And my dad's like, fuck this, we're cancelling. We're, we're not fucking paying him to play the big beat. It's more money than it's worth. We'll take the hit, like a deposit. I don't know how it works. And they wrote to Don Arden and told him and called him and he just didn't take any of the messages. They thought they could do a deal based on the fact that he'd fucked up so badly at last gig. And the yeah. day after the show was supposed to have been, which obviously Gene Vincent must have known had got Lex, he'd never turned up for it. Yeah. They got a writ from, the, from Don Arden saying, you cancelled, now we're suing you for the money, for the Fucking whole thing. Hell. And he goes, he just it uh, just ignored us on purpose, basically. Yeah. And waited until the next day. So he ends up in court with Don Arden, and uh, he defends himself. Whereas Don Arden's obviously rocked up with a fucking barrister and a wig and all the yeah. rest of it. But my dad, because he had experience by that stage of three or four times defending himself in magistrates' courts, right? Because the main times he'd been in court before that was he used to go fly posting for the club, yeah. right? He'd, got, he'd gone round um, all over that part of London sticking posters up, right? But listen to this. This is another amazing <laughs> thing he told me, which I'd forgotten. This is amazing the way it all comes back to top like time machine themes, right? Because he's because, John because Cosmos. It is, it's John Cosmos is so heavily involved, right? he he goes, Yeah, um we had to him and his two brothers, right, Tim and Paul. He goes, they we had to drive round and we'd do it at night because we knew it's illegal and we'd just paste up these posters everywhere, right? He mm. said, um, but we needed a van. He said, and um the only bloke I knew who had a van <laughs> was Rodney Buse, right? And I went, what? <laughs> I went, who? Of course yeah. Rodney Buse had a van. Yeah. He goes, yeah. Uh, he goes, Rodney Buse was, uh, he goes, because I was doing a bit of work on the side as, a, as an actor, as a film extra, right? Obviously, and I, right, yeah. He goes, he goes, so through that I met Rodney Buse and he was a nice bloke. He said, but he was... Um, he had a van. He said he had, well, he had this older woman who was rich, right? And he was skint because he was still on his way. He wasn't famous yet. He goes, so he convinced the older woman to buy him a van. <laughs> I don't know why. And then my dad, uh, wait, did that bird buy your, did it buy you a van? He goes, yeah, okay. can me and my brothers borrow it? We've got to go post in our flyers, right? So Rodney Buse said, yeah, but on the first night out, my, my dad's brother, my uncle, Kicked a fat. They had a big pot of paste, poster paste, you know, like the. Mm. the, the and my brother and my and my uncle kicked it over in the back of the van and covered Rodney Buse's fucking new van in glue. <laughs> Rodney Buse never let them use it again. 
And then my dad you got... You glued up my van. Yeah, you fuckers. <laughs> right? Then my dad got nicked for doing the posters. Then he represented him. So he thought, right, I'm going to have to represent myself. So he said, so he got this suit. I know he borrowed a suit off his dad, but he went full on and wore a waistcoat and a tie and like everything and yeah. got a haircut and turned up in court and did his best poshest voice and really, I mean, my dad's very well spoken anyway, so he would have sounded the part. And he was, and he said, and these magistrates, he goes, what I did was I, I told them that I was performing a public service because um, there's a lot of young kids with nothing to do on the mm. streets and mm. they and they don't go to youth clubs because their only interest outside of violence and crime is music, he said. And so I'm keeping them off the streets through this club. Yeah. That was the angle he took, right? Yeah. That was the angle he took. Fucking got, he fucking did it. He won. Wow. So after that, he thought, I convinced myself I had the Midas touch. Could do anything. So, yeah. so he did it a couple of other times. And he said the key was always putting this suit on, right? Mm. He said, and then... Um, when it came to the Don Arden case, that was the biggest one I'd been involved in. But by that stage, I thought, I can take on anyone and anything in court. Even Don Arden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, um, in the end, they said, look, we understand that Don Arden's fucked you over here, but later in the law, you still got to fucking pay him. So pay mm. him. And uh, and I said, so that was when you finally realised you didn't have the legal Midas touch. But, of course, my dad wasn't having that. He still had to have an angle. He went and goes, ha, 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 that's what you think. And that's what they probably <laughs> thought too. But the clerk of the court came over and told me how to handle the debt. He said, so you can't afford to pay it, which I couldn't anyway. He goes, and when they ask you for how much you can afford per month, say half of what you can afford. He went, yeah. then when they accept it, he goes, just pay once every three months. He goes, yeah. and then they'll threaten you with jail or another court appearance. He goes, and just pay them. But then leave another three months and another three yeah, months. Yeah. He goes, and then in the end, after a year, he said, they work out that it's costing them more to pursue you than it would be to get the money. So they drop it. And he reckons the clerk of the court told him this because he liked wow. him, right? Yeah. And he went, so in the end, he goes, I paid about two tiny installments, but Don Arden was ordered to pay all his own legal costs. So who ah, was the fucking winner, me or Don Arden? <laughs> the losers in this story are as follows Gene Vincent Don Arden and Rodney Buse and not me and the Definitely winner not me. is me Barry Delaney as always <laughs> next fucking question you could also maybe say that the British legal system lost as well yeah it was then that I realised the law was an ass and I was its master a couple of little things about Don Arden I've just looked up while we've been talking. Don Arden in the 60s used to manage a group called the Nashville Teens. Mm. Uh, when pianist John Hawken chastised him in his Carnaby Street office for the meagre sums he was advancing mm. the group, Arden began to strangle the musician <laughs> before, before attempting to throw him from the second story window, shouting, You're going over, John, you're going over. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> and of course, later on, uh, Robert Stigwood, who managed uh, a few groups and eventually managed the Bee Gees. Uh, yes, yeah, Stigwood was trying to get the small faces from off of Don Arden. Um, and Don Arden and his heavies paid Stigwood a visit with Arden hanging Stigwood off his fourth floor balcony yeah. as a warning. I went, <laughs> I went to see a brilliant play. Um, in fact, I saw it twice. I think it's the only play I've actually gone back and seen a second time called All or Nothing which right. is the Small Faces musical. 
Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, they don't, they've done Beatles ones and Kinks ones, um, but the, it was fucking... I saw it in a small theatre, and then I saw it again at a different place, and mm. it was brilliant. And Don Arden, yeah, there's a, there's Don Arden is very much in that play, and they actually do that scene with him hanging the manager right. out the window. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so... He scared the bejesus out of a lot of people, but not my mm. old man. My not old, your old man. man, yeah. What he did was he gave him his day in court, and my old man breezed away, allowing Don Arden to think that he'd won. And it wouldn't be until a whole year later that he realised, in fact, he had lost badly. <laughs> of course, this is <laughs> totally. only my dad's version of events. I mean, who knows? One of the very true. few people who have actually beaten Don Arden, I reckon. I mean, Sharon Osborne's his daughter, and she used to work. She was she was his number two. He was grooming her to take over the family business, and then she. Split and went solo, uh, and I don't think they ever spoke again. Right. Lots of litigation followed between father and daughter. Oh, that's horrible, isn't but, it? Uh, yeah, not a nice man. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Jalapeño. Yeah, Don Arden. Don Arden there. And Barry Delaney. Just asked you for that if you'd had a good weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was probably the highlight. I mean, I had a few highlights, but that was probably the best. I've been spending quite a lot of time on Lurgs' website because I've got a, I had to buy a new battery for my Vespa, which I'm going to be fitting this morning. And good right. old Lurgs, going back to our uh, little period of being obsessed with YouTube how-to men. Oh, uh, yeah. Lurgs has proved the Lurgs, who's, who's done lots of things for other people, like fi- fixing washing machines and stuff. He also is a Vespa enthusiast. Really? Well, there yeah. you go. Tell and me he's got for a, you. He's got a bunch of videos there. So I've been spending a lot of time with Lurgs this weekend. I'll let you know how it goes, uh, whether I've absorbed any of it. when I Because after this podcast, I'll be going out front to change the battery myself, which is something I've never done. I've had a Vespa, I must have been running Vespa for about 20 years or something, but I've never, ever lifted a finger to do anything other than Any put petrol in it yeah i've always <laughs> just got someone to do even the most basic things right but now it's locked down in it i've got to step up got to, to the it. plate got to become self-sufficient so if i'm up. not around to do tomorrow's episode you'll know it's because i've fucking let a battery leak onto my face or something like or, that or the vespa fell onto you and yeah. pinned you to the floor Trap me <laughs> trapped under a vespa yeah. we're both drinking them um, we're both drinking tea while we're doing this I made my tea in the one cup teapot that was sent to us. Ooh. This was a smooth segue, wasn't it? That yeah. was sent to us from our mate Paul at uh, coffeebox.co.uk. It's coffee-box.co.uk. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking coffee actually, and because he sent me a coffee 
making device, a stovetop Italian-style mocha, which I'm delighted yeah. with. But he also, it's one of those strange businesses. I mean, it's a brilliant business, but it's one of those strange businesses that does uh, an incongruous mix of products. So it's yeah. tea and coffee, first and foremost, yeah. luxury tea and coffee items, both you buy coffee beans and tea leaves, <laughs> but also all of the paraphernalia to go around it. But then on top of that, they sell luxury pet goods as well. Yeah. So I received <laughs> well, the, one of the best care packages I've ever got. I mean, you should, the kids' eyes were like, this is incredible. Who sent you this? Because I had this yeah. coffee maker and some luxury coffee and some biscuits. But then there's all this shit for Nelson and a little note saying, get well soon, Nelson. Because obviously, as everyone knows, Nelson's had a terrible traumatic lockdown period with his tail getting mashed up in a Babylon, right? Mm. And he's like got uh, all these luxury foods a electronic you know one of those i call them cat taunters which are yeah. basically a stick with something hanging off it that you taunt your cat with yeah right? full of catnip but this one makes a noise as well oh like and fucking out nelson's not as young as he used to be but if you get one of these even the oldest fattest cat will become a kitten all over again Revitalized. yeah he was going fucking bananas right yeah uh, but the funniest thing of all that he sent for for the cat was something called Porsecco, which is Prosecco for cats. Oh, nice. And, you know, I've documented on this podcast Nelson's problem with drinking in that he's very fussy in particular about where he'll mm. drink from. And lots of people got in touch to share their ex- similar experiences with their cats. So I thought the chance of him drinking a fucking saucer or a glass of Porsecco are very remote. But apparently you just pour pour it over its fucking food. Right. You serve up his meat, then you open this bottle. It looks like a little wine bottle, and you just fucking pour this Porsecco all over it. And did he enjoy it? I haven't given it to him yet. Oh, right, okay. Well, I've got some unexpected unexpected Mm. treats for Oscar as well. Mm. I hadn't expected I got some dog beer. Mm. Similar thing. Similar to your... Do you Porsetto. pour it on the food or do you put it in a bowl? I, uh, I put it in a bowl and he had a bit of a drink of it. Did he like he it? he enjoyed it. He did, mm. yeah. Uh, and what else did we get? Some dog crisps, oh. which were like regular crisps, but with all the salt taken out and everything. Were you, were you uh, tempted to eat some of those yourself? And some magic ingredient. Well, I, I haven't yet. There's still some left. I might try one. Mm. They smell all right, so I might I might give it a go. And what else did we get? Some little mini salmon sausages. Ooh. Because, of course, I was buying oh, salmon, like salmon buttons, buttons a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Would have gone so, with the salmon buttons, so we know he likes so that flavour. So we stocked up on salmon stuff. Uh, yeah, and all of that came from uh, from Paul at Coffee Boxer. Massive thanks, Paul. You are our favourite hunter because you've given us stuff. Um, yeah, well done, mate. We'll stick that. And there's, there's going to be a um, discount for listeners to the show. Mm. But I'm not going to give it out here. I'm going to tell you to go to our website, tftimemachine.com. And sign up to our newsletter. Um, if you yeah. sign up to our newsletter, which comes out about once a fortnight, and it's always bags of fun, uh, and it's got loads of stuff that we talk about on the show. We have links and stuff like that, but and just recommendations from me and Andy. But on the next newsletter later this week, I will be sending out a special. I think it's a twenty percent discount code. Fifteen, I think. Fifty. All right, fifty. Well, when you say twenty and lure them in, yeah, you know what they're going to do? Is it discount 15? code? Sign up, get a newsletter. That's where you get special offers, and then yeah, yeah. I got uh, um, cr- yeah, go on. Go, I was going to say Crow News. It's coming this morning. Oh, yeah. uh, Jonathan Wilson, the Guardian football writer and podcaster, uh, one of the authorities 
of football in this country. Let's face yeah. it. Uh, he author, tweeted earlier on. Author of the tactical book, Inverting the Inverted Pyramids. The pyramid. Which is yes. just right up our street, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's got Top Flight Time Machine deep dive written all over it. <laughs> really has. Um, he tweeted earlier today, a squirrel just clattered out of a tree to land about three feet from me. Very similar to the time the dead seagull landed in front of me. But yeah. this is a live squirrel. Uh, and he says, then scuttled off. I looked up and in the tree was a crow looking oh, smug. Of course a fucking was. Jonathan asks, because he's not an expert in everything. Jonathan asks, do crows attack squirrels? Did it throw the squirrel at me? And I think, really, the answer can only be yes. Yeah. Yes, it probably Here did. Here comes that Jonathan Wilson, the fucking <laughs> god of football hipsters with his fucking Alfred tactics. Stroll. Stroll, Here stroll, stroll. Here he comes. Tactics, boy. Fucking hell. Chuck that squirrel at him. <laughs> That'll make him think twice. Here you go. I love the squirrel at him and I shouted, bring back 352, you cunt. <laughs> That's a good 90s formation, that. Euro 96. Never got Proper. better than that, dickhead. You can keep your fucking Barcelonas and your fucking Dortmunds. Your fucking false nine. Fuck off. Have a load of that. Get some fucking yeah. squirrel in your hair. That fucking woke him up. 3-5-2, you cunt. Graham soul left wing back. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the latest crow news that we've added. We've also had lots of people sending us stuff about a, some fella online has done a Biscoff lasagna. Yeah. Um, I haven't explored that properly yet, though. I've seen it, it a lot. A it's been shared a wrong. lot. We've been, we've been sent it, like, multiple times. Uh, yeah. Not that I'm complaining. I love it that people now associate us forever with Biscoffs. The whole Biscoff thing does feel very Sir John Cosmos related as well. Mm. Because, I mean, I mean, this is separate. I don't know if we'll have time today, but Sir John Cosmos has been playing a huge role in my weekend and not just all that stuff with my dad. Really? Sir John Cosmos has been all over the situation this weekend. He's more or less Fucking moved hell. in. He's moved into my he- into my <laughs> head rent-free. I was going to see rent-free in your head. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like it. But anyway, um, I when I first talked about Biscoffs. It was back in February when I'd been on my walking weekend in the Isle of Wight, and I'd had this Biscoff, and it it had just you know really revived me. You could say saved yeah. my life. And until that moment, I'd never know. I'd seen those biscuits, but I'd never known they had a name. Didn't know anything about the brand. Nothing. I just thought oh, it's a little fucking ginger biscuit you get for free in the pub. Mm. Since that day, when I sort of investigated Biscoffs. You'll remember I bought a 300-pack on eBay for nine ninety nine. Yeah. Why, why, you know, go small when you can go large? Yeah, for that <laughs> Investigating price. Investigating something. To be honest, mate, for that price, even if I bought them and just smashed them up and threw them straight in the recycling, it'd still be worth it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, since then, Biscoffs have just been everywhere. It's taken over the world. It's become the world's leading brand, right? Mm-hmm. Everywhere you look, there is a new Biscoff franchise, right? Yeah. There are Biscoff lasagnas. There is Biscoff spread. There is Biscoff ice cream, which you've had, and I'm still trying to get my hands on. It's just been uh, one thing after the other. Yeah. (laughs) There was something you were going to say before I mentioned... um... Uh, Some great historical bullshit emerged over the weekend, and this is a subcategory called teacher bullshit which I think some people have told us about before because I think there is a trend for teachers bullshitting their pupils. 
don't know why that is. I would say using amateur psychology, there's teachers who I think they become like almost victims of Stockholm syndrome where they've got these horrible kids who they have to deal with every day who drive them mad. Mm. And then they start to try and earn the kids respect by bullshitting them about their life outside of the classroom. I don't know. But anyway, there was a teacher at my school and his name was called Mr. Swindon Bank, right? And right. he was like the sort of teacher you would imagine more in a Victorian school. He was he was tall and imposing and looked a bit like Rasputin, the famous Russian Fucking Tsar Svengali, right? He had a yeah. big black beard and black hair and he was scary looking, right? And he was from Northern Ireland. He had a strong Ulster accent, right? And uh, he, he taught maths and... He, he was the tutor. Like, you know, you have a tutor that you have to go and do registry with every day, yeah. registration. He was a tutor of my mate, Nev, who's still one of my best mates, right, in the year below. And Nev always does an impression of him still to this day, right? Because his catchphrase was, he'd come into the classroom, apparently already smelling of whiskey in the morning. And he'd be the, <laughs> always the one. And he'd go, I am shattered, right? <laughs> and so now, whenever I'm with Nev, he's, he's a mate who I go to West Ham with, he always, if he's tired, he always goes, I am shattered in the style of Mr. <laughs> Swindon Bank, right? Anyway, someone else, a friend of uh, my wife's who went to the same school as us, right? She got in touch, and I don't know why or how, but she sent a message to a group that my wife is on on WhatsApp saying that Mr. Swindon Bank had announced to her in maths once that before he was a teacher, he had been a surgeon in Libya. And and Mm. he had removed the appendix of Colonel Gaddafi. Fucking what? Yes. (laughs) This geezer, he taught maths at my school in the 80s, right? And When Gaddafi was arguably in his pomp. Yeah. Well, maybe he was teaching us in the late 80s. Maybe it was in the mid-80s. He'd done that. And then once he'd done it, he sort of thought, well, I can't go any better than this. I've literally completed being a surgeon. (laughs) You can't get better than this. I've just removed Colonel Gaddafi's appendix. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to let us take anything else out. So so he goes, what's next? Yeah. So I then sent a message to my mate Nev, and I said, Nev, did you know that Mr. Swindenbank had been a surgeon in Libya and once removed Gaddafi's appendix? And Nev went, no, I didn't know. He never mentioned that to us. Wow. All I knew him as was a simple alcoholic mathematician. He said <laughs> he came from Hastings every day. This is a, Our school was in southwest London. He came all Fucking the way hell. from Hastings every day, yeah. and that's why he said, I am shattered. I have been up since five. I had to come all the way from Hastings. Right, for you fuckers. Yeah, and he goes, uh, and he said they saw him every day after school. He would be, you know, teachers they stay back, don't they? You all get up and fuck off at three or whatever. Yeah, they've got admin, haven't they? Teachers got admin, not this cunt. He was apparently (laughs) out out the gates the same time as the kids, and they would see him regular as clockwork go straight into the little shop at the bottom of the road and come emerge with a four pack of lager. Right. Yes. So as they got older, they'd like, "This is fucking train beers." Fair enough. They they confronted him with it and go, "Dad, uh, uh, sir, how come we always see you buy a four pack of lager straight after school?" And he goes, "Because I sell them to supplement my income." And he went, goes, <laughs> "I sell beers on the train every day on the way home." 
really weird thing to tell the kids. And they said, why? He goes, because it's a long journey home and there's lots of thirsty men on there who want their beer on the train. So I buy far from the shop at the end of the road and I sell each of them on the train for a profit because you can charge them whatever you want on the train because they've got no option. They've got nowhere else to go. It's the only beer available. <laughs> why only buy four? I mean, exactly. think about it, right? You just said making? there's lots of thirsty men. You could buy 12. 50p profit in the 80s? How much was a yeah. can in the 80s? I don't know. I don't know. Like, let's say it's 89, right? Late 80s. I reckon a can was a, still about a quid, right? So yeah. he's buying them for a quid, selling them for 150. Yeah. That's two pounds he's making every day on the way back from work. Adds up, doesn't it? Piss of the trip, <laughs> Walking up and down the train, a teacher with a full pack. Beer for sale. Beer for sale. There's only four left. Who'll have a beer? <laughs> Sir, can I interest you in a beer? Uh, yeah, how much? £1.50. £1.50? That's a bit much of a beer. Well, if you want to take your business elsewhere, good fucking luck, because we're on a train. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, Mr. Swindon Bank. We're going to have to end the episode there, I'm afraid, because uh, I've got a golf tee booked a bit later on. Uh, because uh, wandering what, around... What's that with your Tory mates? Yeah. <laughs> with me Tory mate who, who used to be a postman is now a taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. well, they're the worst sort. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell him. He's a listener, actually. He'll hear it for himself. Um, yeah, because walking around in the fresh air with some exercise and hitting something with a metal stick is just what I need right now. Yeah, good. So It'll do go. you a lot of good, yeah. Uh, right, so we'll be back with uh, Life Logistics tomorrow, so get your things in. Yeah. Your queries, your questions, all of that, and we'll we'll sort you out on that on the IFS tomorrow. And then of course a new deep dive on Wednesday, which we haven't even discussed yet. Mm, we'll, we'll I think I've got a strong feeling it could be Kevin Keegan Brian Moore documentary. Oh right, yeah. Nice one. We'll do I'll that need, then, yeah. I'll need to watch it, but yeah. yeah I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that then. Okay. It's alright, D V Hub if you want to watch it in advance. Yeah. And then uh, of course Melchester later in the week. That's it. Thank you very much. Uh enjoy your day. Uh, keep it cunty. GTFN, dickheads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.